where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam and Wong College of Business. And this season, we will be digging deeper into the importance of adaptation in our everyday life. We'll be having guests from all industries, backgrounds, and expertise share their contributions and thoughts on the new way of business as our world faces many new challenges. I'm joined here by Savannah and Sung Min, the co-hosts for the season. If you're an old listener, then you've probably already had a chance to hear them chat on the podcast before. So let's get right into it. For today's episode, episode join Sung Min and I as we talk to Dr. Stephanie Thomas on the topic of adaptability within the supply chain industry how adaptability plays a role in her career and the challenges supply chain management has been facing or will face throughout COVID and the upcoming holidays. To start off, Stephanie, could you introduce yourself and give our listeners some background on yourself and your career? Sure. Thank you guys for inviting me to be here today. I'm super excited to talk to you. And I think it's interesting that you guys are are choosing adaptability and being adaptable is kind of the overarching theme for this semester because it is completely relevant at this point in time. But I, I would say, you know, from a student perspective and stuff, being adaptable is going to be part of life. And so I'm um, letting everybody know I was uh, going to go be a pharmacist when I was an undergrad. Like that, I, I had no plans on, on being in business. And then I got into chemistry and thought, I really don't love this. <laughs> There's going to be a lot more of this. And so I adapted and changed. I actually wasn't a business major in undergrad. I was a speech communication uh, major, but I got a business minor and I started thinking, you know, I kind of like this business stuff and decided because I I didn't know what I wanted to do with a speech communication degree. I decided to go to graduate school and got my MBA. And that's kind of where I really um, first got into we called it logistics and transportation back then because supply chain really wasn't the cool uh, phrase at, at that point in time. It was kind of just starting. So I'm kind of dating myself at, at this point. And then I spent some time after that uh, working in industry. And so I, I worked at Lowe's um, in their home office in North Carolina for most of my uh, professional experience. I did logistics related roles. Um, pretty much always in the flooring division. So if you've ever shopped in a Lowe's, all the flooring products, that was my jam. And then I did merchandise buying and um, with the ceramic tile division. So my boss had the tiles. I had all the supporting products, the grout, the mortar, the tools, the saws, all the really fun, sexy products, you know, that that, that all kids dream of, of buying when they um, grow up. Also spent some time uh, in a distribution center for Stanley Tools and did some sourcing for IBM. And, and then I adapted and changed because I became a mom. And I decided to take some time out of the workforce um, for a few years and uh, focus on uh, family life. And at the same time, my husband was... Uh, he adapted and made a change. Uh, he also had, had worked at Lowe's in a variety of logistics-related roles, and he decided to go back and become uh, work on his doctorate to become a professor. And after he kind of got through, as I was getting ready to think about getting back into the workforce as my kids were becoming school age, um, I kind of saw, I don't know that my passion was to go back and do what I had done previously. And so I started seeing what he was doing and the connections that he got to make with students. So I like, I love all the supply chain and logistics related topics, but I thought, you know what? I think for me, I want to help 
introduce that to others and help prepare them for their career path instead of doing it myself <laughs> anymore. And so um, that's when I kind of made the decision to uh, get a doctorate as well. So I do have a PhD in logistics and supply chain management. And um, then I uh, spent four years at Texas Tech University after I uh, graduated. We were hired there to start their major. And then um, this is my fifth year to be at Walton. And so we're, we're both here working in the supply chain department in Walton. So uh, we've evolved and adapt as a dual income or dual career couple too, which is not always, there's some challenges that go along um, with that as well. So that's kind of the high level me in a nutshell. Thank yeah, you. Course. I'm so glad that you shared that story, um, specifically like your whole process of, you know, not even in your undergrad, did you think that you're going to be having the position and the role and the influence that you have today? Um, so I'm, I was senior, I'm graduating in a month. Um, so there's been a lot of Congrats. changes. Thank you. But there's been a lot of changes and a lot of stress. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners can kind of relate to that because you feel when you're, you know, like 21, 22 years old that you're going to go in the workforce and this is what you're going to do. Like you spent the last four years studying this. Um, it's okay. You kind of have to like let it, let it go and be able to adapt and see where your journey takes you. So um, it's good to hear from, you know, successful professional, um, you know, that you just have to let things happen and just kind of see where your passions take you. So, I, I had to, I'll, I'll throw in here real quick, Kiara. I had um, an industry professional one time make a, a quote that I thought was really um, kind of genius. And it was, write your future in pencil, not Sharpie. And so it's good to have goals. It's good to have plans, but don't be so stuck to those that you don't leave yourself open for the potential and the things that you don't even know to even dream that might exist. Um, out there because a lot of times when we dream sometimes we don't dream very big and, and so um if you're kind of going with the pencil instead of the sharpie approach that allows you to adapt and change as your circumstances adapt and change yeah i love that that thank you for sharing that i mean it also fits in perfectly too with the whole adaptability um process and that's really why i decided to pick that topic for for this semester because you know, especially with COVID and um, all of like the life changes that I know students are currently facing. I just know that that's, that's one of the key things that you have to be mindful of. And it's something that you have to learn and adapt, like adaptability, you're going to have to use that forever. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to touch in and see how that will work in different industries and within different things that you might be interested in doing. Um, so before we get started, could you just kind of um, introduce our listeners who might not be super familiar with supply chain and like its importance on society today and just kind of give a brief overview of like why you believe um, it is such an important thing and why it's evolving as it is today? Sure, absolutely. Um, it, it's kind of been the unsung hero of business until COVID hit and now it's kind of like, you know, I'm here having like my parents and family members going, there's supply chain issues and we've never had those conversations, you know, uh, before when they can't find something. So supply chains are basically the series of organizations that work together. So I think if you go to a retail store and you buy something on the shelf, it's everything that happened before that to get that product there for you to purchase at a price that you want to purchase. So we, we sometimes will, when we talk about logistics, talk about the seven R's and it's mm -hmm. having stuff at the right product, the right place, the right time, the right quantity, the right cost, the right um, quality, all those different parts, all those things had to come together 
for something to be accessible. And so how do all those companies collaborate and work together? And that includes raw material suppliers, manufacturers, warehousers, distributors, transportation, retailers, and even the consumer. Because whatever we all buy, you know, it doesn't matter if all those companies work together and they produce something that none of us want to buy. So the consumer is an important part of that um, as well. And so anytime you go to the store and you pull something off the shelf and they have what you want there, that's because the supply chain worked. Yeah, I think supply chain is also a pretty brand new word too, because I know you're talking about earlier it being more in like the logistics sec sector. Um, but I just remember, you know, going to the university and, you know, supply chain was like the biggest program and all that kind of stuff. And talking especially to like my grandparents and stuff like that, they're like, what's supply chain? And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, well, this is it. So that, it, that's why I thought it would be important just in case like some people weren't specifically um, aware of what supply chain means today? Well, in supply chain management, when we throw that in there, that's uh, kind of the more strategic focus within business of how does all of this kind of work together and run well. Um, and so when it's all working, nobody really cares about supply chains. It's when it isn't that it's like, what's going on? A lot right. of times when you hear people use the word logistics, logistics is kind of more of the tactical day-to-day -day execution of what supply chain management kind of is envisioning. And so it's doing, boxing stuff up, placing orders, shipping stuff, getting stuff on shelves, forecasting, all those types of things go into a lot of the logistics side of it. And supply chain is kind of like the broader strategic perspective, supply chain management. Um, so you called supply chain the unsung hero, and um, technically it's been around since like the early 1900s, like when Henry Ford like started the assembly line and such. Why do you think it's getting so much attention nowadays compared to the last 50 years? Well, it, it's funny because my husband make the argument that supply chain has really been around since we tried to like take down woolly mammoths uh, way back in <laughs> the, the, the dark ages or, or whatever. But um, from like the military side of things, um, the military has kind of gotten it for a long time because, um, you know, if we didn't have weapons or if we didn't have troops or we didn't couldn't feed the troops or all those stuff, wherever they needed to be, then you can go back in history and wars were lost because that, that didn't happen. So the military side of things is really focused on logistics and supply chain for a very, very long time. You are absolutely right. Henry Ford and then a few other things kind of came into play and um, things happen in transportation industry. There's things like deregulation. So you increase competition, um, the internet increased connectivity. And so suddenly the world got a whole lot smaller. And so all these things happen to kind of force this supply chain management concept. And so 1990s is kind of when some consultant got really excited and called it supply chain management and it kind of caught on. Um, today, it's it's becoming popular, I won't say popular because in a lot of ways it's not necessarily popular because that there's an increased awareness because it isn't working or people are saying that it's broken. The reality is um, if you look back, especially from an adaptability standpoint, how many industries, just take like local restaurants that pretty much always did all of their business, sit down in, you know, in, in the restaurant kind of thing. And then COVID hits, bam, 
you can't go in and have, you know, dining room options anymore. And so they figured out ways pretty quickly to shift their business into delivery and pickup or, or online orders and other stuff that that probably wasn't even in their game plan or whatever. And then they had to figure out how do we make that happen? How do we work with our suppliers? How do we work with our um, employees to, to make that happen? So part of it is, you know, I, I'm going to shelves and I'm seeing, you know, you know, when COVID first hit, there was this huge run on Fleischmann's yeast because everybody was at home and people started making bread Who, because people didn't have time to bake bread. But suddenly it's like, well, I'm stuck at home. Let's let's bake bread. Well, I'm pretty sure Fleischmann's yeast had had kind of this same similar demand pattern, you know, around the holidays or certain times of the year forever. And then suddenly out of nowhere, they, they've gone through a whole year's supply in like three weeks, you know, or whatever. Well, they don't have inventory to fill that back up. So then for months, there's empty shelves. So if somebody's wanting to actually bake bread that normally does it, they can't get a product that we want. And it's like, why is that? So then you can blame COVID. And then you have things like the Suez Canal getting blocked by a big boat. And a lot of times we'll be like, well, a lot of that was on the other side of the world, or it really didn't affect us. But all the raw materials, all the things that got blocked and backed up, that's a whole ripple effect that is going, we're going to keep feeling it for, you know, months and years later. And now we have the problem on the West Coast with all the container ships that you've seen all the, all the jokes about, you know, everybody's going to go do their Black Friday shopping on the ships, you know, off the coast of California. Um, so that's another, I talked to a, a company before, right before Halloween, and they were a plastics uh, manufacturer that provided like cheap holiday type of stuff. They're like, yeah, all our Halloween stuff is sitting off the coast there. It wasn't going to arrive in time. So what do you do then? So that's what it's kind of brought all these questions up in this awareness of, and then everybody's trying to shift and figure it out. We're actually moving more stuff through supply chains, a lot of ports and transportation and stuff than we ever have. And all the home deliveries and all the Amazon packages and orders and, and all that stuff. But yet we're seeing holes and cracks. And so we focus on those and not what all is actually getting done. And I think that's kind of why it's all kind of um, come out in a much longer response than probably what you were asking for. It was super interesting to hear, honestly, because um, uh, Kiara mentioned before, she's a marketing student and so am I. So the amount of supply chain knowledge we have is intro to supply chain and just real life <laughs> applications. So. Yeah. And talking about that, actually. So I know that you were talking about um, just like the amount of shortages and like, that's the only thing that people see. And so they start to like panic buy um, or they start to worry about, am I going to get things for the holidays, all of that kind of stuff. So as a supply chain, um, like professional, what do you recommend people or other like marketers like myself, um, business professionals aren't necessarily in the supply chain industry to kind of do, to kind of subdue that and kind of make sure that people aren't so fearful of supply chain. Because like you said beforehand, you know, it was a concept, it's always been there, um, but not all the people were aware of it. But now that there's been a lot of, a, a lot of, not issues, but little bumps in the road due to COVID, um, people are starting to like panic. And I know like the best thing I can remember was COVID and like the whole toilet paper thing. Like that was a <laughs> <Yep>. huge thing. <laughs> people were panic buying because they were so scared of supply chain. 
Um, so could you give us like maybe a little bit of intake from your perspective on that? Yeah, so interesting you brought up the, the toilet paper because um, what has happened with a lot of that panic buying and stuff in different industries is what people, what companies, marketers and, and other people within, within companies are trying to figure out is are these shifts in demand, um, to your point, a panic buying short-term situation, or is this a shift that's going to last forever type of thing? So the reality is while people may have bought toilet paper, the, the need for toilet paper on an individual per person basis was not dramatically going to go up for everybody across the country. We're not going to suddenly be consuming a lot more toilet paper. So while people may have hoarded it, then they're just not buying it for months. And so it, there's, there's not that increase. If you look at something like wipes or cleaning products and stuff, is that a, you know, a, a long-term change that people are now going to be much more cautious about how they keep things clean, keep their hands clean, more aware, you know, keeping their kids, trying to keep their kids safe and stuff like that. So for certain industries, it's what are some of these changes? So a lot of stuff related to travel you know, nobody was going anywhere. So one, you're not seeing the, the travel industry. A lot of those related things have the same level, but also something as simple as like suitcases or clothing that people might wear on say a cruise or something like that. Those were dips. Well, are people going to eventually, I know more people are traveling now, but are they, is that all going to eventually come back to the same level as it was? People just don't know. In terms of the holidays coming up, what I think a lot of companies are doing specifically from the marketing side is trying to encourage um, consumers to buy in ways to kind of minimize that pain. So you're seeing a lot more companies do that instead of just having the Black Friday specials, it's here's our Black Friday deals, but we're going to offer them for the next three weeks. So go ahead and get them now instead of just shoving all that demand at one point in time. So you're spreading that out a little bit which also enables them to go, oh, <laughs> this special went really well and now we've sold through this inventory. They could potentially, from a marketing side of things, do a follow-on. Hey, we've just added this as a new deal or, or something to kind of shift that demand into something else that they do have inventory of. So I think there's going to be some, I don't want to use the word manipulation because that probably isn't popular, but there's going to be some encouragement of, where to get consumers to put their their dollars um, you know from a consumer perspective this is not the year to wait to the last minute or, or you're just going to be stuck with it you're going to be like my brother used to be who would do all his christmas shopping on christmas eve at a walgreens on his way like to visit my grandmother and she got the most odd assortment of gifts each year because that's always you're going to be in that situation if there's specific things that you want that you know are also uh, hot items that other people want you, you you may not be able to get them and so it's also um, just being more realistic and not relying on the next day shipping and the second day shipping and all that stuff we've kind of gotten used to that we can get order stuff and have it come pretty quickly is you know there's a lack of truck drivers out there there is a shortage of warehouse workers um, it, it, and we're increasing demand on all those areas as well we just we can only do we can only work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can't, can't do um, more than that. And so as consumers, we can kind of manage our expectations and not try to make the situation worse. 
Um, with that being said, you were uh, to sh shift a little bit. You were talking about how there's a massive shortage of workers and truckers, especially because uh, I mean, trucking is like a hard job. It's very lonely and you have to be by yourself for a while. So I see why a lot of people are moving away from it. Um, but with the electric vehicle uh, industry rising so much and a lot of companies are trying to create semi trucks and 18 wheelers that are electric vehicle, hopefully mm -hmm. one day they'll be self-sufficient. How do you feel about that? So uh, the bad news is we've had driver shortages for a long, long time. So while we're feeling the pain in some ways more, this has been a problem in the industry. Like trucking knows this, this is a problem. Um, a lot of truckers um, industry hop, depending on where the money is. If construction is paying a lot, they'll go work in construction. If oil and gas is well, maybe they go work on a, an oil rig or something. If transportation's paying more, then they shift back into that. So there's a lot of flux in and out of the industry just on a, any, any given day at any given time. Um, the, uh, the question you've just asked is the question that trucking companies everywhere and transportation in general is, it's kind of like, what's the crystal ball? I, you know, I would, we wish we had the, the answer. Um, most trucking companies that, especially if they're of any size are investing in those autonomous vehicles because the, the future is, is potentially there. Um, there are limitations with those vehicles, at least the technology that we have now. Most people feel like they're best suited for what we call long haul shipments. And those are the ones that drive like coast to coast type of stuff, not the UPS driver that's driving around town, dropping off packages all the time. So it would only be like at this point with the current technology, a specific segment of the trucking kind of industry that would be focused on that. There's a lot dealing with regulations and all kinds of other challenges, you know, and okay, how do you gas up an autonomous vehicle if there isn't a driver in it? Are we going to go back to the gas stations of the past where people would come out and pump your gas? So there's simple, like things like that, that maybe that changes that whole industry, you know, as well. That may shift back to the way they did, you know, gas in the 50s or, or something like that. Um, so there's a whole lot kind of involved um, in there. I think there's a lot of people betting on that it is going to become um, a, a contributor to help ease potentially some of the driver shortage. That is not going to be an immediate thing. We're, we're still, you know, people are playing around with it. You hear the things in the news about, you know, some shipments or whatever. It is by no means widespread or here yet, but the, the potential is there and everybody's working to figure out if, the, if this is a better way. Um, you know, there's lots of safety concerns, so safety is a, a big factor with that um, as well. If this is a better way, that's where it will go, but um, trucking companies are also not going to jump into it without doing the due diligence and um, having the support. Yeah, there's a lot of um, uh, public support that does not feel comfortable with <laughs> having trucks going down the road without people um, sitting in it. So that, you know, that's, we may all not never drive again eventually someday either. We may just hop in a car and have it take us where it needs to go, but we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, that's awesome. So talking about, you know, all of these innovative ideas that have been floating around the supply chain community, 
Um, what do you personally see um, the progress or how supply chain is going to adapt within the next like five to 20 years? Well, good question. Um, I would actually say the last year and a half for a lot of companies, um, their view and how they've treated supply chain and logistics and all that has advanced much further, much faster than without COVID because we had to, you know, it's like to, to make things happen, you take down the red tape and you just do what needs to be done. Um, what is going to be interesting to see is if that continues, um, is if uh, we'll continue to be more adaptable and, and speedier to make things happen, or are we gonna go back to um, kind of having to jump through a whole bunch of hoops and processes and stuff like that. Technology is going to continue to be a huge game changer. Um, there's lots of cool things going on out there in, in all facets of, of, of business that can continue to um, have an impact. Uh, talent is another huge issue, whether it's um, talent in supply chain roles specifically or just talent in general. The companies that attract and retain the best talent are going to win. Um, sustainability is going to continue to be a big initiative. Um, that that is becoming more and more important to consumers as well as you know individuals and, and regulations on that continue to change. That's going to be something that is going to continue to be an evolution and part of the way um, we do business. Uh, I actually think right now is a pretty um, interesting time to be entering like supply chain related careers because um, it's kind of like we've had to throw the rule book out the window and we're going to be rewriting the rule book moving forward. And the cool, one of the things I've always liked about supply chain is um, it's a lot of complex problem solving. It, it's, it's putting together puzzle pieces, but you don't always know what the picture of the puzzle is gonna be. And you could put the puzzle pieces together in a completely different way than I do. That doesn't mean either one of us is right or wrong. It's just, there's that much opportunity for coming at things with creative ideas and creative ways of, of doing things. And there isn't a textbook answer. And so if, if that's like kind of your jam, that's this is kind of like a great place um, to be. And more now than ever before, companies I think are open to that. Uh, you were talking about the innovativeness of, of uh, the supply chain community and mm -hmm. how we're just growing as a whole. Um, do you see any like important new like transportation ideas coming into play like or new ideas such as like I know they're using cryptocurrencies for uh, to track RFIDs and just do all the backend stuff easily, or like even like using the like the use of drones to like deliver your packages, like stuff like that sounds like almost a little scary to me, you know? Yeah, no, and uh, like just this week, Walmart is piloting, um, and I've completely blanked today on the, the name of the company that they're working with, with their new drone initiative that they're testing out here in Northwest Arkansas with deliveries and stuff. So some of that stuff is becoming more of a, you know, reality. Um, I, I could see the future of retail being kind of a lot like Amazon Go stores, if you're familiar with those, where you just kind of have your app that kind of tracks every time you put something in your, your bag and then you just walk out the door and stuff. There's on the retail side, they're doing a lot of, um, there's a lot of cool, like kind of behind the scenes concepts or um, it, this is 
quasi-marketing a supply chain type of thing, but, you know, mirrors and stuff that if you try on a product can show you that product in a different color or, or do some adjustments or whatever, or you may not even have to try it on, but it will just take your measurements and see what is this going to look like on you, which kind of change the way people um, shop. And they have some of that stuff online, but they're looking at doing it in um, retail stores now. Well, then that impacts inventory and all the other stuff that goes back throughout the supply chain when you have kind of more insights into the way um, people shop. And if you can get things that fit people better and they're happier with, then the returns process and all the stuff that can come back lessens and that helps you be more productive with the, the products that you um, do have. Uh, 3D printing is another one of those things that a lot of people are kind of um, in on. I don't, I, it may be one day we all have a 3D printer and there's just certain things that when in some part of my refrigerator breaks down, I get online and print out a, you know, a replacement piece and, you know, go do that um, myself. So I, you, I know there's a lot of stuff where kids will play, you know, uh, print their 3D toys or, you know, um, things like that. But uh, there's all kinds of things, you know, the medical community is doing some really cool stuff with 3D printing. So I, from a like technology standpoint, like, there's just so many ways a lot of that can go. But something you did bring up a, a, a good point. There's a lot of it that um, there are like kind of ethical and, and safety um, concerns behind, you know, mm -hmm. take the 3D printing of printing weapons, you know, right. is that the way we want things to, you know, um, kind of stuff. And it, there's a ton that goes in with drones on some of the safety and ethical issues there. So even when the technology gets to a point where it's ready, some of those other issues, the psychological kind of side right. of it may delay some of the kind of full scale rollout. But um, I just look at the fact that I carry around, you know, a, a cell phone that's basically a computer in my pocket. And I had an old school bag cell phone, like way in the day and, and stuff like that. So just in my adulthood, um, the shifts in technology and the way we do stuff, like going online to order stuff, like Amazon, when I first knew about it, that, that was books only. And now it's like, you know, everything. So where we've gone in the last 20 years is phenomenal. But in some ways I'm kind of going, I'm scared to see what happens in, in the, the next 20, you know, life might not even look um, anything the same of where we are now, but it'll, it's, it'll be an interesting ride for sure. Yeah, I think that's super cool. That's something that I'm personally kind of interested in, kind of like a side thing, but I'm always looking at like the new technology trends because for me, I think like specifically like my generation, not so much, I have a younger sister. She is five years younger than me, but she mm -hmm. was born during the era where like smartphones were just starting out. So she was maybe mm -hmm. two years old when the first smartphone came out. So for her, her entire life has been technology. But mm -hmm. I feel like people, you know, my age and older have had some experience with, you know, using and doing things without technology. Because I remember when the first like Game Boy came out, you know, like that was a huge thing, um, you know, so it, it's interesting to see that. But it's also really cool, um, like statistics and, and stuff like that to see that technology is growing faster than ever during this time like the evolution is just as fast as mm -hmm. us human beings so mm -hmm. I'm really interested to see how that's going to shift in a business perspective because I know we're talking about like the shortage of workers um there was that big thing a couple of years ago when Walmart started shifting to 
um, more like uh, self-checkout, you know, uh-huh. rather than having uh, having people be the ones doing that. So I'm really interested also to see like how that's going to shift with supply chain, um, especially the drones, because I know Amazon's trying to do the whole, we'll deliver it straight to your house kind of deal. Um, so I think it's going to be really cool for students and, you know, people getting into the business field right now to have those skills that make them adaptable so that uh-huh. they have the skill sets that they can use now. But in 20 or 30 years, when you know, the business world looks different, they can still have, find a job within that. So um, talking about that, um, what do you believe are some of the, like the skill sets um, more so, I mean, hard skills too, but those like softer skills that people can develop that you think are going to be beneficial um, during this transition period within business? Sure. And that's a great question. Um, I want to build a little bit on what you were mentioning though, uh, about being adaptable and stuff is, um, whatever skills you have today are going to be obsolete pretty soon. So the idea is as a, as a be a lifelong learner and be open to, to change and new ideas and new learnings and new paths and stuff like that, because um, businesses aren't going to stay still. Uh, they, they can't, if they, if they, if they stand still and they don't adapt, they're not going to um, survive. So for you as an, an employee and a contributor to an organization, you too always have to continue to adapt and evolve as companies and businesses and just the whole environment that uh, we work in adapts. Um, I think a lot of times the soft skill side of things is one of the areas people overlook a lot. It's, and don't get me wrong, Excel skills and all kinds of software and all that stuff are super important. Um, Analytical skills are super important, but at the end of the day, there's still always a people factor involved. And so I, I think there is um, an opportunity to always find somebody that will give you good, solid feedback and can, and you have to be open for it. So <laughs> as a, you know, act on it, don't react to it type of things, find those people that can give you um, unfiltered feedback and use it to help you grow. Um, none of us is perfect. <laughs> There's always things we, we can do better and focus on um, developing negotiation skills, developing presentation skills. Uh, You're always going to have to get people to buy into your ideas, Um, whether it's a team, whether it's an entire company, uh, whether it's another company that you work with, um, being able to influence and get people on board with your thoughts and your concepts is, is, a big deal if you want to grow up and be successful in it within or just within your career. Um, so that negotiation is one of those things that a lot of times people are like, oh, that's scary, that salary stuff. Oh, it's so much more than that. <laughs> I mean, that can be a small part of it, but you can practice negotiating with your family, your significant others, your friends, you know, you know, in your daily life and just see how do people react when you do things a certain way or, or not. Um, there's tons of resources out for something like that. Uh, presentation skills is another thing that sometimes um, we don't always have a, as much practice in as we could um, use. And if you've got some of those things, th- those th- getting your point across, the communication side of it, that helps you in things like interviews and, and other stuff. Um, another kind of thing that I think everybody should focus on is um, building your network. Uh, 
pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, going to industry events, going to, uh, joining professional associations in your, your industry or an area of interest so that, because you never know what's going to happen with companies and you may be an excellent employee, but your company may go out of business. But when you have these skill sets and you've built this network, then you've got people who are like, Hey, you know, PR was really great to work with on that committee within this organization. And I heard that, you know, that company's gone, but I'm reaching out to her and seeing if she'd like a job over here or someone's really comes, brings it in this. I know this is a passion. So I feel like he'd be a great person here. You want to get to the point that you're not applying for jobs. There people are coming to you wanting you to apply. Um, for jobs. That's like the ultimate goal is um, they're looking for you. So you don't have to uh, look for them. And sometimes that's the, Hey, I'm good where I am kind of thing, but it's always good to know uh, what options are out there. Keep yourself marketable too. Don't ever get too, um, too comfortable because one, one boss change or uh, one pandemic or anything can happen. You know, they're calling it in a lot of cases, the great resignation is a lot of people are kind of reevaluating how they're spending their time. And they don't necessarily want to go back to the same work. I will call it work-life balance, but I don't know that that really exists with the, the work schedule and stuff that they did pre-COVID. And they want flexibility. They want the ability to work from home part-time or, or whatever um, it, it is. And it's just this, and that environment's constantly changing. So the more you kind of can be open and adaptable to the situations um, while also figuring out what works for you, um, is going to make you uh, as marketable as you possibly can be. And at the end of the day, you got to do the best job that you can. Yeah, I, I love that you shared that too, because uh, that's pretty much what our main focus at our office is. You know, we focus on those soft skills. We focus on building your network, being able to communicate effectively. Um, and I think it's something that's really important that is overlooked. And I really like the fact that you said that um, like in the future, you think that you really have to focus on those like um, personal features of soft skills because, you know, software is going to continue to evolve. And like, I think that the main thing that's like keeping all of us, um, you know, important factor of the business world is the fact that we do bring that personal connection and that, um, that talent that a computer can never replace. Um, so I think that's super interesting. Um, and I'm glad that you shared a little bit about like your passions into like mentoring and helping other people like evolve into that. So um, as we wrap up, I kind of just wanted to like, shift it a little bit more towards your involvement within the university. So I know that you're currently um, the faculty advisor for WISE. And so I just wanted to know a little bit more about how that kind of came to be um, and what kind of um, like skill sets do you do you offer um, for the for the women and men who are involved in that in that group? Sure, thank you. So Y stands for Women Impacting Supply Chain Excellence, and um, it's a student organization here in Walton. It actually started probably about a decade ago, um, and like a lot of student organizations, kind of sometimes there's an ebb and flow depending on leadership and support with you know who's an advisor and things like that. And so when I joined the university, it was kind of at one of those times, whoever had kind of helped keep it uh, going had left and moved on. And it really wasn't, um, it, it, there wasn't a lot going on, it, but I saw an opportunity because I knew that was an area of passion and interest of mine. And so we kind of did a, a relaunch a few years ago and have four kind of what we call pillars or strategic initiatives. And it's making connections, personal and professional development, um, leadership skills, and industry knowledge. And 
to your point, Carol, on some of this, some of that stuff is relevant regardless of what organization you are um, a part of. But a lot of what we try to focus on is um, content and programming and opportunities and speakers and stuff related to each of those different areas. Um, one of the things that makes WISE a little bit different, though, too, is a couple of years ago, we started the WISE Future Leaders Symposium. And so what that is, is um, an event that uh, is invites students, uh, predominantly female students, from a variety of other supply chain programs to the first one we got to have in person pre-COVID. The, the few since then have had to be uh, virtual, but initially come to the University of Arkansas. And so we're starting to build a network of because um, generally um, supply chain has been more of a heavily male um, industry. And so there's been a push from a diversity standpoint and not just gender diversity, but diversity as a whole to increase diversity within supply chain. So this is one area of um, increasing diversity through um, gender is trying to build a network of young women um, that are going into the field. So maybe you go into a job and you're like one of the only women in the office or something. If you kind of know there's a whole bunch of other people out there, it kind of keeps you like, okay, I might be the only person here, but I'm not the only person um, anywhere. And it gives you that network to kind of reach out to and connect with. Um, and so we've been doing more initiatives outside of that symposium where we're bringing together uh, students from other universities. So it has really kind of become this inter-university uh, collaboration. Once a semester, we usually have a joint meeting with a supply chain organization from another university. So last semester or this current semester, we um, did a joint meeting with Michigan State's supply chain club. And so we're kind of put using the, also taking advantage of the virtual environment to make some connections um, as well. And it's, I know the WISE members have found it super fun to hear about other universities, what's similar, what's different, what are their cool traditions and stuff that sometimes you get really focused on where you are. And it's kind of cool to get a, a behind the scenes look at other people and, and where they are um, as well. And so um, I, I, I have the best job in the world. I get to help people learn more about something I'm passionate about. Some of them get to find their passion uh, within that. And then I get to really plug into um, a student organization that I, I'm passionate about and work with students that are excited and enthusiastic. And so I, I couldn't ask for anything um, better. That's super powerful. And uh, freshman year, I used to get a bunch of emails from Wise and I was like, I'm a guy, like what the heck? Like, so <laughs> if you don't mind clearing, uh, clearing up the air for some of our male sure. listeners, so it's yep. okay for guys to join wise, right? Probably 15 to 20% of our members are, are wise or men. Sorry. They're wise too. <laughs> <laughs> They're wise men. Like, um, so I, wise is open to any student and we even have some that aren't uh, Walton. Most of them are, but you have like within engineering, a lot of say industrial engineers end up going into supply chain related roles. So we have some kind of crossover there. We've had people from every um, major before and I actually really love um, a lot of our uh, male members. We try to have at least one, if not more, young men as part of the um, leadership team because I think it's good to have 
uh, pursuit. To me, if wives became kind of like the exclusive girls club kind of thing, then that's not helping with the conversations that we're wanting to have. And the interesting thing to me is a lot of the um, males that especially get really involved in it actually either grew up with a, a strong single mom or the mom was the breadwinner in the family or a heavily influential grandmother or something. But they, a lot of them have had really strong women as an influence on their life. And so for them, this is kind of a way of paying it forward or a situation that they're kind of comfortable in because they're like, hey, my mom rocks. <laughs> so I'm going to come, you know, support something because, and hey, I'm going to, these are some of my classmates and stuff and they're pretty cool. And I don't want them to have issues when they got in the workforce. So I believe in, in this. And then along the way, a lot of them go, you know, I could use help with networking skills, professional development, industry knowledge and all that stuff. So they get the benefits of the content and the programming and, and all that stuff um, as well. And then I think they, they even forget that it's a women's organization. You might've just won me over for next semester or this upcoming year. I will send you an email to make sure you know how to register. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So thank you so much um, for joining us on the podcast and for you to like share your insights. You had a lot of really good, um, you know, information that I think is related to anyone, not even just within supply chain. So thank you so much for offering your advice, your time. Um, it was great speaking to you. So if you like what you heard, please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And while you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Walton Biztalk. That's all for this week. We'll be back in the next weeks with more casual conversations about professional things. Thank you.